1: Your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin.
3: Hello and welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin.
4: This week we are cruising through the astonishingly beautiful Western Caribbean, making several tropical island stops along the way. You know what it is about tropical islands? What? They're everything they're cracked up to be.
3: That's true. The whole thing, the cruising, the islands, being in the warm weather, all of it.
4: Have you ever noticed that in a lot of TV ad campaigns, when they want to convey living the good life, living a life of leisure, enjoying yourself, the symbol is a tropical island? Good point. The Beach Boys in their later years, when they wanted to find somewhere that had even better weather and was even more laid back than Southern California, they wrote that song about the Caribbean islands, Aruba. Jamaica, oh, yeah. ooh, I want to take it. The end of one of my favorite movies of all time, Trading Places, after yeah. Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd took care of the dastardly Duke brothers and got all <laughs> the money back. Where did they go live? I don't know. With Jamie Lee Curtis? I don't know. And the butler? On a tropical oh, island.
3: Oh, of course they did because they're all what they're cracked up to be. There's a lot of newspaper ads that talk about the Caribbean as well, and a lot of them say stuff like, It's 85 degrees, and with the wind chill factor, it's 84.
4: (laughs) Right. It is as laid back as you think, from my experience. From my limited experience, it is as laid back as you think. We've been
3: having such a great time on this work vacation, but nonetheless a vacation. And we actually, even with interviews and getting on the island, being on the cruise ship, we've been like relaxing, reading, enjoying our
4: balcony Bob Marley and the guys in Jamaica didn't come up with speed metal. <laughs> they came up with reggae.
3: Hey, speaking of which, Jan, our good friend who does all our intros and exits, I thought, how perfect for the show. We, we use him all the time anyway, but he's in a band called Natural Roots.
4: And that's the music you hear coming in and out, and great reggae music also ties into some of the Pacific Islands.
3: Yeah, very good.
4: As you'll hear one of our guests talk about later, one of the reasons cruising was invented was to get from Caribbean Island to Caribbean Island. And it's a great way to see these places. We're going to be talking about some places you might listen and say, wow, I want to go there for a week. And you could be there for a week and not run out of things to do. You could be there for even longer. However, we're going to be talking today about cruising. And our stops are going to be Jamaica, Cayman Islands, and Cozumel, Mexico.
3: And we're here on the NCL cruise on the NCL Pearl, the Norwegian Pearl, doing all these great stops. And so not only are you getting the benefit of going on a cruise, having a great cruise, relaxation, vacation, you're also stopping at these great ports, which I think, honestly, I've, I've cruised down here quite a bit. Some of the best in the Caribbean. I love the Western Caribbean. I'll say this several times today, I'm sure. I love the cultural differences of these islands that we're stopping at. It's not the same thing over and over again.
4: Yeah, it's almost like you're on a European cruise and you're going from France to Italy. To, you know. <laughs> That's how different these places are. So we are set to sail, but before we get off in any port... Okay,
3: we're sailing, and actually, right now, want to get off the mic. We're trying to hurry because we want to get back to our balcony. So what do we have next?
4: We have hot topics <laughs> in travel. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Check us out online at TravelBrigade.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade.
3: We'll be right back.
5: What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel.
3: Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin, with your weekly travel and destination show.
4: And it's time for Hot Topics in Travel, where I find something in the news to intrigue Kathleen or upset me? Or upset you?
3: What is it today? Well, now. Is it intriguing or upsetting?
4: Being in the Western Caribbean, it's hard to think about anywhere else but the Western Caribbean. That's true. But if I was going to take you one place away from this tropical paradise, where would you want to go?
3: Really? I don't I don't want to go anywhere. I'm having such a great time now, but I don't know.
4: What about Disneyland?
3: Oh, I'm always up for Disneyland.
4: Or Disney World.
3: Like them both.
4: Okay. That's what this is about today, and it's about something called the Magic Band.
3: The Magic Band?
4: And I'm not talking about Aerosmith. I'm okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Okay.
3: Although that is my favorite ride at...
4: Another park. No. Universal Studios?
3: No. hun, get on board. Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster is at Disney World at the Hollywood... Call that park. I can't remember. The Hollywood theme park. And I'm in... A, a, can't believe you can't remember it but the Hollywood theme park it's the rock and roller coaster my favorite
4: ride well they're kind of taking their ticketing and their fast pass and their mobile apps and combining it into this one thing called an RFID bracelet and it's basically a bracelet with a little device in it that you'll take around the park, it'll act as your ticket. It'll act as your way to pay for things. It can recognize you where you're going. It can help figure out your fast passes. Wow. They're tying it into also something called My Magic Plus, which is going to be a new mobile app where you'll be able to book all your fast pass tickets ahead of time, your show tickets ahead of time. Wow. And the hope is that You'll be able to move around the park much easier. The benefits will be that you don't have to carry your wallet, your tickets, that whatever. That could be dangerous. Okay, it's there like are
3: flicking. Honestly, I mean, can you imagine our mini me's with these bracelets as well, just you, going around?
4: <laughs> well, you can make it. So, <laughs> Put it on my
3: bill. <laughs>
4: you can make it so that you know your kids can't use it as a way to pay for things. Uh-huh. I'm also researching if you can make it so that you can't let your spouse use it to pay for hey, things. Hey. But that's that's another story. Okay. <laughs> But, yeah, so there's that problem. There's also people saying, hey, this is Big Brother, and, hey, you're giving up all this information and everything.
3: See, I think people that love Disney, you know what they're going to say?
4: Yeah, I don't care. No. No,
3: no. They're going to say, can you embed a chip in me?
4: Yes. That's true. (laughs) That's true.
3: We don't want a bracelet. Just embed the chip inside me, and everything's good.
4: Okay, well, there's, there's, there's kind of three groups of people. There's Disney haters... There's Disney agnostics which is kind of what I am I was going to
3: say he hate. borders on hater sometimes no, sometimes no. just a little bit
4: it's no i it just i i think it's a great theme park and it's it's an excellent deal for what you pay compared to a lot of other that's things that's true where you try to take your whole family And on then it there's lovers like okay, and then myself. there's the Disney hardcores like yourself. Well,
3: I w- I, I'm going to be honest, because hardcores out there are going to be like, oh, she doesn't know anything about Disney. No, I, I know a lot about Disney, but, I mean, people that are passion. I'm not a passion hardcore. I just love Disney. I love Disney, but I wouldn't say, like, I I couldn't, like, write a master's thesis on it.
4: Okay. Well, here's here's how I think the three groups are going to play out. Number one, that the Disney haters are going to continue to hate. <laughs> Okay. And they're gonna There's
3: not something in the chip that that, that changes <laughs> the chip them. Chip,
4: no. That that's uh-huh. probably
3: what they're going for.
4: Um, the Disney lovers are going to they're always looking for something new from Disney. True. And that's one thing you have to do when you're in the theme park business is always be trying something new. Right. The Disney agnostics like myself, my attitude is whatever you can do to shorten the lines and to get me on and off rides quicker. I am all for it. That's true. Tattoo something on my wrist, you know. But if, if but but what?
3: You don't want them to have access to your credit card. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's going to have like a pre spending limit. It'd be like, okay, we can spend twenty dollars of the day and the whole theme park.
4: <laughs> yeah, I,
3: shut my band off after twenty dollars.
4: <laughs> hey, I would love that.
3: <laughs> no doubt.
4: <laughs> so I think it's kind of a win-win. For them. It's interesting, the, they aren't the first ones to do it. And if you think back about three years ago, I believe it was, we were in Germany at a spa. Yeah. And do you remember we had little wristbands? Oh, yeah, riff yeah, yeah, bands yeah. yeah. And you could wander through the spa getting food, it's true. different things. because your he, lo-
3: It was your locker combo and your credit card and everything you needed. You want to check out a robe or go to the restaurant and get something. Or yeah, because you
4: don't want to be carrying your wallet or your purse. Exactly through the spa and this was I loved it
3: yeah no it was pretty good
4: and so if it works out for Disney and I know it's been tried in other parks too then more power to them
3: power to Disney put put that in the (laughs) record not that they
4: don't have enough power already (laughs) That is this week's hot topics in travel. It is time for me to transition from news mode back into cruise relaxation mode. And be
3: really careful because I'm already to just turn this off and hit the <laughs> and hit the balcony not to return. So we're gonna try and make it through a show today. But I'm telling you, we're so relaxed. It well, might not happen.
4: Here's the thing, we're in we already talked about tropical islands are very relaxed places, relaxed way of life. Cruising is the one type of travel where I come back relaxed. There are sea days on a cruise where you have no choice but to simply sit back, read a book, enjoy the view off your balcony, off the deck, just sit back and relax. You have no choice.
3: That's true. And one of our favorites, we've gone on quite a few different cruise lines, but one of our favorites is NCL, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as the show progresses. But one of the reasons is because they don't have a lot of those traditional time schedules as far as dinner and and things. You really do sort of plan how you want to be on the cruise. You can be as active as you want to be. You can relax as much as you want to relax. Uh, We're here on that Norwegian Pearl. There's a lot of different activities, a lot of different restaurants we're going to talk about. So we do have an interview with NCL. We also have an interview, a little fun interview we just did while we were in Jamaica.
4: We've also got someone from the Cayman Islands, as well as an amazing tour guide we met in Mexico. First, we're going to be talking with Alan Manier. He is the hotel director on the Norwegian Pearl, the beautiful ship we've been sailing on. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade.
3: Make sure that you check us out on our website, travelbrigade.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel
5: Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
3: Welcome to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here on the high seas on the Norwegian Pearl.
4: And we are touring the Western Caribbean, and we've got someone who really has a lot of experience with this route. His name is Alan Manier. Uh, he's a Frenchman, and I know I just butchered his name, but he's been very gracious to meet with us. Welcome, Alan.
3: Alan is the hotel director here on the Norwegian Pearl, and as we're cruising around the high seas, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Ports of Call, the wonderful ship here, and all the wonderful things there is to do here on the Norwegian Pearl. So, Alan, tell us a little bit about the highlights. We're doing the Western Caribbean right now.
1: Yeah, this kind of run is always about the weather. Going out, enjoying the island, meeting different cultures. People come here to relax and really to enjoy the sun, especially at this time of the year when they come from the cold weather.
3: We came from cold weather, so we <laughs> exactly what you're talking about.
1: When we landed
4: in Miami, it was like we were on a different planet because we'd left 15 degrees. But one thing I've really noticed about the different ports is they all have a different feel. Jamaica has its own feel. Grand Cayman is very English. And then, of course, you've got Mexico. They've all kind of got their own unique feel to them.
1: Well, that's the thing about sailing the Caribbean. You have such a variety of islands. I mean, you've got the one which you have a British background, such as Jamaica, Barbados, Bermuda. Then you got the one with the French background, Martinique, saint Barth, Saint-Martin on the one side, and so on and so on. You even have a, the Dutch island, which is Curacao and Aruba. So every one of these islands is a little part of the rest of the world, so you can really travel through different cultures, from different uh, cooking habits, which is very interesting, different languages, and that's what makes it very appealing.
3: And different drinking habits as well. <laughs> <laughs> every port, we're in rum, we're in tequila, so we just kind of move along port to port. <laughs>
4: What do you find are the most popular excursions off the ship here with with your passengers?
1: I think everything that is related to wildlife, swimming with a dolphin or stingray on counter, whatever is related to water. People come here just to enjoy the water, really. Cruising in Europe, it's all about history and culture. Cruising the Caribbean is really about enjoying the beach, going to swim. It's quite nice. I mean, of course, Cozumel today, we also had a tour going to the Maya Ruins. This is another part, but really it's all about I think, wildlife on the sea.
3: Yeah, We did Sing Ray City and had an amazing time. It was so beautiful and just got to do some really amazing things. Tell us a little bit about, we're here on the Norwegian Pearl. What are some of the highlights of the ship here as far as
1: dining, entertainment? Right. I mean, this vessel is part of the Norwegian Cruise Line family where our concept is called Freestyle, which means when you come on board, you don't really have a plan. You really want to go and eat whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like. It's slightly different than the rest of the industry where you have a set meal time, always with the same waiter at the same time on the same table. Here you've got more freedom, which is our concept. Uh, one of the highlights of the Pearl its really the team. The crew on board, it's amazing. I mean, I'm getting every day a lot of positive feedback about the friendliness of our team, how well we're taking care of our guests, and just we're making sure that everybody is having a great time and has a vacation of a lifetime. Now, we do recognize that some of our guests have to save money for a while. You know, not everybody can go on a cruise every year. Some of these families on board have saved money for a few years. They come to fulfill a dream, and our job is just to deliver the dream.
3: One of the interesting things when we're talking about, you know, having choices compared to a regular traditional cruise line is some of the optional dining. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, we do have our main dining, which is a classic cruise ship, but we have a selection of smaller restaurants. We call them specialty restaurants, starting by Cagney, which is uh, available on every single ship, which is a steakhouse, an American steakhouse. Then we have Le Bistro, also available on every ship, which is our French touch. We have an Asian concept consisting of teppanyaki, a sushi restaurant, and a mixed Asian, we call it Asian fusion. Then we have an Italian, La Cucina, on this ship. And now lately, the latest addition is a Moderno, which is a Brazilian grill where you have a tradition of 10 meat, but the waiter will keep serving you as long as you're hungry.
3: You could literally almost every night go to a different restaurant if you wanted to, and we've actually tried La Cucina. We've been to La Bistra before, and so it's really it's kind of a great different option. Another thing that's that's different about Norwegian is some of the new ships have a place called The Haven. Tell us about that.
1: Actually, yes, all our little ships, including this ship, the heaven, it's a little ships inside the ship, right? It consists of two very large villas. We call them the garden villa with a three bedroom apartment. We have two per ships, two higher hand suites on deck 15 and 10 smaller suites, still double room apartment. And all this is around a private garden with a lap pool, the private jacuzzi, open deck. So it's giving you a more intimacy. Which we not recognize. Even though guests like to come on our big ship, some of our guests rather have a little quiet place, and that's why it's called, Avon.
3: I would compare it almost like having your own private yacht on top of. I mean, it really, it really is. It's it's very secluded. I, I know some people feel they don't want to be around lots of other people, but it is really a very secluded, intimate place, and it, and and you have the best of both worlds.
4: You mentioned that some people save up for you know years or quite a while to come on a first-time cruise. What advice do you have for people who are coming on a first-time cruise or are thinking about coming on a cruise?
1: Well, I think the key to that is really to be open-minded and to come to have a great time. All right? Take it for what it is. You select your cabin based on what you want to do in that case. Then you come on board and you just enjoy life and let the team take care of you and leave all your worries at home because that's basically what it's about. You know, we don't want you to spend time on your laptop or on your iPhone or whatever, you know, popular phone system. We just want you really to enjoy the ship for what it is. And then, uh, first, the ship is an identity by itself. Every ship is a destination. You know, we want you to walk around, find ways around, enjoy the show, enjoy the pool, meet the team, meet other guests. I mean, that's the key, really, to that. Now, first cruise, most of the guests will do a Caribbean cruise because it's associated. Cruise line is associated with sun, you know, go to the beach, go to the sun. Of course, there are other options such as Alaska or Europe or New England or Bermuda. But really, I think for the first cruise, the Caribbean is a good choice.
4: I found that on a lot of vacations, I get home and I have been running around so much and trying to do so many things that I need a vacation again. And the one thing I really love about a cruise is when I get home, it's the one time I really have gone on a trip and I feel relaxed.
3: Basically, we're letting everyone take care of us, just like you said.
1: Yeah, that's important that you feel relaxed. You know, we really want you to go home and feel, wow, that was great. You know, they took care of me. I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to pack and unpack or driving from one town to the other or fly from one place to the other. And I think that's one of the great things about cruise trip. We're taking you to different places, and at night you're still at home. And that's the key.
3: That's true. Thank you so much, Alan, for spending time with us. We will put Norwegians' contact information on our website, travelbrigade.com.
4: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
3: We'll be right back.
5: Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
3: Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin coming to you from the high seas. You know, that was more of Jan's music. Perfect music for our yeah. nice tropical vacay.
4: The band is called Natural Roots. Check them out wherever you buy your music
3: iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. Pandora. Alan was uh, so nice.
4: Alan was great.
3: He made our stay even better than I thought. It was just, it was just, it was such a great time. We had a great
4: time. Now, coming up, we're going to be talking about our visits to Jamaica, Grand Cayman, and Cozumel, Mexico. But we should mention that this particular cruise also stops at a private island in the Bahamas, in this case, Grand Stirrup Cay. And there are other cruise lines that do similar things.
3: Yeah, they have private islands, and they're really fun. It's just a nice, relaxed day. You're out in the middle of nowhere, no cell phones, no nothing. And you just, you know, we chill out by the the hammocks on the beaches. We have a nice barbecue, drink some pino colatas by the beach. It's just a really nice day and you're not in the middle of a hustle bustle port and it's really fun. You know, the other thing that we were checking out, because when we go on these things, you know, we kind of like to check out all sorts of things even when we're not utilizing this particular time. We didn't bring our mini with us, but we have in the past. And we were checking out the new revamped kids program. Splash Academy and Entourage for the teenagers.
4: Entourage is a great name for teenagers because that's how they travel around.
3: I know. <laughs> in
4: an ent- They don't go anywhere without their entourage.
3: But I have to say, these guys on the Norwegian Pearl, guys and gals, are hardworking people. Yeah.
4: One of the great things about doing a family cruise is you can take your kids to these kids' programs, let them go have some fun on their own, and you know they're in a safe, controlled environment and you're not on each other's nerves like you're doing a car ride for 12 straight hours. That's right. And then, after they've had a little time alone, you've hit the spa, you've sat out by the deck, whatever you've done.
3: You've, you've re
4: You've reprepared yourself <laughs> for parenting. You come back together, you have dinner, and everybody's happy and enjoying themselves.
3: And you know the fun thing about... Uh the programs here on the Norwegian Pearl, as I said, we actually even went to uh one of the talent shows they did with the kids, it was a circus themed. And I actually sat there they were teaching the kids to do different things, uh some acts and different things and I was sitting there thinking, I actually missed the mini me's for a second and I was like, Oh, they would have had so much fun doing this but I got over it really fast. And
4: then I <laughs> and then I shook you and reminded you.
3: I was like, We're alone on a vacation? Why am I why am I letting my thoughts go there? You know they have all sorts of really fun things to do. Whether you want to be active, like I said, they have lots of family activities now where you actually go uh, with your kids and do something like cupcake making, things like that. Or you can be like us, veteran cruisers <laughs> who've done it all, and uh, we enjoy just staring out to the sea in our balcony.
4: Yeah, you couldn't beat the uh, sunsets and the clouds off the boat. There's just nothing else like it. And- um,
3: excuse me, it's not a boat.
4: Sorry, the ship. Thank you. <laughs> my bad. My Maybe
3: bad. one of us is a veteran cruiser. Let me take that. Let me take oh, that yeah, back. <laughs> no, that's,
4: that's, no, I'll admit to that. Let's take our ship, our <laughs> what is it, 15-story ship, and head to one of our port stops, Ocho Rios, Jamaica.
3: That's right. We're in Ocho Rios this week. And I noticed that a lot of people in the U.S. call it Ocho Rio. Or Ocho Rio. but it's actually Ocho Rios, and that you'll listen when they say they actually say Ocho Rios.
4: Well, yeah, that makes sense because there's eight rivers. You don't say eight river.
3: Yeah, that's true. I think it's just lazy Americans.
4: <laughs> well, anyway,
3: but the fun the fun thing is this isn't really wasn't really a planned interview. We just were on this catamaran went on this great trip to the Dunn's River Falls. Ran into this really fun gal named Sunshine.
4: She was a party unto herself.
3: I was going to say, had we stayed there in Ocho Rios longer, I think Sunshine shown us a really good
4: time. (laughs) Well, and... We went on this trip out to Duns River Falls, which is probably the biggest attraction there, and we'll hear more about that. It's an amazing place. Other big attractions there are a place called Dolphin Cove, and you can combine Duns River at Dolphin Cove. You can combine them with a lot of other things. We had some friends go riding on horses in the ocean. Yeah,
3: horseback riding up to, like, in the ocean, not just, like, ankle high, but I'm talking about, you know, up to where the saddle would be, your bareback in the ocean on a horse.
4: Besides taking a catamaran to Duns River Falls, you could go there by four by four, you know back country driving, you can take a jet boat, a lot of different options to check out, but you should, if you haven't done it, you should go to Duns River Falls. It's almost like if God hadn't made this place, then somebody would have had to have made it for a water park because it's so perfect, the way the water runs over the rocks and the way the rocks go up and you can climb them. If God hadn't created it, somebody would have had to invent it.
3: (laughs) And we went out there with a company called Cool Runnings, which is where our friend Sunshine's from.
4: And we will hear our interview with Sunshine right after this. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
5: We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
3: Welcome to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here in Ocho Rias here at the Duns River Falls with my new friend Sunshine.
6: Hi. And
3: Sunshine says this is her party name.
6: Yes, this is my party name because, you know, my name is Kenesha, but... I need a little spice, you know, in it. I need a little spice, Keisha. What's my party name? You can name rain. 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 Sam, sunshine in your rain. Oh, very nice. A nice combination <laughs> together. Yes, darling. Tell us a little bit about the Duns River Falls and why it's such a popular attraction here in Ocho Rios. Well, you know, as usual, nowhere else don't have Duns River Falls, only Ocho Rios, Yes. Right? So, it's very wonderful and fun for the kids and family. Um, It's not all of it is not man-made. It's some natural, some were made by men. So you know, people want to climb because it's fun. Because it's like you're climbing a rock, like a an hill, and you have to go under a bridge, and they have a slide up there and all of that. So it's it's fun. For those of you who are wondering, Jeff is actually up on the hill right now. We'll see if he makes it alive. He's gonna have fun. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> they have this part there. It's very steep. So I don't I don't know if he's gonna get scared, but I. He can do it. He's a very brave soul. I'm going to take, I'm going to drink a little bit of rum first before I get
3: up on the falls.
6: No. No rum before no the No rum. Falls. No rum before the falls. Oh. Rum after the falls. Right, because if you drink rum now, maybe you come back tumbling down. Oh, very good. Climb. Oh. So you have to keep it safe. So after the falls. Then you can take some, drink some rum. So then Sunshine's going to turn this catamaran run into a real party boat. Yes, darling. As soon as, as, soon as the guys get back from the falls, we're going to have an open bar. That's when we serve the rum punch, the rum and cold, the rum on the rocks, and the red striped beer. And then we're going to sail out and take you back to the ship with a little party. Very nice. Yeah, man. We're going to teach you to dance with Jamaican reggae music, little calypso, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Very nice. Thank you so much, Sunshine. No problem, Donnie. Nice to have you here with us today. And if you're coming to Ocho Rios, coming on a cruise, or just here to Jamaica, make sure that you come out and check out the Dunn's River Falls. And what's the name of the company here that we came with? Five Star Water Sports. Very cool nice. Run-ins. Cool Runnings. Cool yeah, Very man. nice. And thank you. And if you want to check us out, you can go on Facebook.com, Cool Runnings. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, man, you can just type in Cool Runnings and look us, up, look, look us up on Facebook or Twitter, YouTube. Uh,
3: We will find you on uh, Twitter. We'll follow you on Twitter.
6: Thank you, darling. (laughs) Nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.
5: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
3: Welcome back, mon. I just had to say that.
4: Well, yeah, we were just in Jamaica.
3: That's true.
4: We forgot to mention in our earlier segment that there's also a Bob Marley tour. Oh, that
3: that's right. Bob Marley.
4: And I think you ride something called the Zion bus.
3: Yes, so. yes. Well, you're listening to Travel Brigade. I'm Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. The only reason, the only reason that I was happy to leave Jamaica was because I knew what was coming next. Grand Cayman. Grand Cayman. Grand Cayman.
4: Now, this was my first time in Grand Cayman, and I have
3: Love to, the
4: I have to say that you have this idealized tropical island in your head, mm-hmm. and Grand Cayman fulfilled all of those ideals.
3: That's true. The Caymans are great. They are a British uh, island, and so you have a very different culture here. You're in Jamaica, like we talked about jamaican culture um then you move i mean still an island vibe but just so different you're in the caymans very much more proper the people are different and then you know moving along to cozumel which i've been there several times too just again a very different place so that's really fun but i haven't been to caymans in quite some time i was excited to go back i've been saving my money in my pillowcase so i could open a cayman account oh i wasn't supposed to tell jeff that that was my own account that was my secret stash but um was excited to come back to have my Tortuga Rum Cake, to have my rum, and to just enjoy the island, beautiful island, um, going, you know, was excited to hit Stingray City, just all sorts of fun stuff.
4: We did Stingray City, and it was different from what I imagined, because when I heard the term Stingray City, I was imagining this water park, and they would bring some stingrays into a tank and you (laughs) would... A petting zoo. A petting zoo. No, this is anybody with a boat or a jet ski Mm -hmm. can pull up to this gigantic sandbar. You get out and you're in waist or chest deep water, depending on how tall you are and how (laughs) how the tide is. Jeff
3: barely hit his waist. I'm like to my neck. It's kind of like we kind of are like that.
4: But anyway, you... You get out there, and there's these rays just come swimming along between your feet.
3: And these ain't little rays.
4: Yeah. These, these are
3: big rays.
4: These are about as wide as a double bed, I would say.
3: Yeah. they From, yeah, wingspan.
4: Wingspan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're swimming around underneath you, and then these your guides pick them up, and you can pet them, you can kiss them. I can't think of any other experience I've had like that, where you were interacting with animals in the wild, just like that.
3: Yeah, it's it's really it's the top attraction for a reason.
4: Beyond Stingray City, there are a ton of other great activities and things to do in and Grand eat. Cayman and eat. and Buy and all sorts of things. To hear more about all of these things, we've got an interview coming up with Jane Vanderbol, who is the executive director of Cayman Island Tourism.
3: You're listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Make sure that you check us out on our Facebook, Twitter, And check out our website, TravelBrigade.com.
4: We will be right back.
5: Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
3: Welcome back to Travel Update, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin.
4: We are talking with Jane Vanderboll, who is the executive director of Cayman Islands Tourism. Welcome, Jane.
0: Welcome. I'm thank you for welcoming me. I am excited to tell you about the Cayman Islands.
3: The Caymans are beautiful. Like I told you, Jane, I'd been here, you know, quite a few years ago and it's been so nice to come back. The the island is beautiful and I just love one of the things I love about the Western Caribbean is when you're going from port to port, the different feel of the culture that you get. And the Cayman, I don't know, something about, and you say Cayman, which is probably the, This us Americans just say Cayman.
0: <laughs> you said, it's not so really? much prettier when you say it. <laughs> We do. We have that accent right on the end where we go Cayman, Cayman (laughs) Islands.
3: Well, we like it. Tell us a little bit about the top attractions that people may already know, but the popular things maybe people don't know uh, when you come to the Cayman Islands.
0: Well, I think uh, the most uh, most wanted attraction that people like to experience is the famous Stingray City, where you get to have fun with our southern stingrays, which are very, very, very friendly. Which I, I believe you experienced. Yes, recently, we did. Right?
3: We had a great time, and we were out there, and it was I, it was a little daunting, I admit. We were out there, and they were swimming around our legs, and just. But after a minute, you feel you feel really comfortable, and we had some really great guides that that took us out there. But I can't imagine anything more cool that you do in nature than that that is really an interesting thing when you're there in Cayman Islands
0: well it is a phenomenon unique to the Cayman Islands I mean first of all the sandbar alone is what two to six feet depending on our tide at that time so you feel safe because you're actually standing up and you're out of the water and then of course the stingrays come up to you a little bit scary at first as you <laughs> say, but then you find out they're ever so friendly and you can touch them and feed them I'm not even sure if you got to kiss one but they say you get seven years good luck is that fourteen between the two of us? Yeah, so I, I, so. I, I did kiss
4: one, but I didn't realize that was that came with it.
0: And and then of course talking about being in the water, you know, uh, scuba diving is known worldwide in the Cayman Islands. Right. We have incredible diving here. We have a program called Dive Three Six Five, which is three hundred and sixty-five dive sites. That a a dive boat can actually moor up to throughout the three islands. We do have sister islands, Little Cayman and Cayman Brack. And Little Cayman is known specifically for diving and for their famous Bloody Bay Wall which is uh, is known as one of the, the best walls in the world. So if you like wall diving, that's the place to go. Just recently, we sunk the ex-USS Kittywake, which is a Navy submarine rescue vessel on January 5th, 2011. She is growing into a beautiful artificial reef and shipwreck with five stories to dive. Wow. Oh,
4: wow. So you're, what you're telling me is with uh, Dive 365, I can dive somewhere every day of the year, including Christmas, New Year's, every day, and never dive the same place twice if I'm in Cayman.
0: That's correct. A dive a day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the
3: famous Seven Mile Beach.
0: Oh, well, as you you must have heard of it before because it's always, always listed in the top accolades whenever anybody talks about the best beach. Seven Mile Beach always makes it in the top. Soft white sand. It's very white. It's very soft. It's not coarse at all. And, uh, it just gently rolls off into the ocean so you can actually walk in. It's not rocky. And, um, of course we have all of our beautiful restaurants and hotels along Seven Mile Beach. So it's, it's, uh, it's paradise.
4: Now, I think with so many great beaches and so many great water attractions and the the sea life and everything, it's really easy to overlook that Cayman has this really cool history uh, tied in with England, and there's a lot of cool things to do there in terms of the history.
0: Yes, there is. One of the things um, from way back dating to 1780, we have uh, when only 400 people lived in Grand Cayman at that time, Uh, we have a great house. It's called Pedro St. James National Historic Site. Um, now known as the Castle by Generations of Caymanians. And what's famous about that is a, it was a historical date there because on December 5th, 1831 is when they had Cayman's first legislative assembly. So we do have quite a bit of history here. We also have a Queen Elizabeth II Botanic Park. It's on 59 acres of rugged wood, wooded land. And um, you'll see some very rare things in the botanic part, like our it's fairly rare Grand Cayman parrot. And you might have heard of our even endangered blue iguana. A very, oh, yeah. it's a, it's, oh, beautiful! He's you know when something's so ugly, it's beautiful. <laughs> 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 That's our blue iguana. He's so prehistoric-looking, with, with spikes sticking out of his back, and um, but yet you, the more you look at him, the more you realise this is a, 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 an animal that goes way, way back in time.
4: You mentioned some of these historical dates, and are there celebrations surrounding those when they come around each year or things like that?
0: Yes, we do, actually. Uh, Cayman loves its history and uh, cultural events. We have very many of them. Um, another a historical place that we have is the Mastic Trail. Um, it's a restored 200-year-old footpath that walks you through a 2-million-year-old wooded area that we have in the heart of the island. And it really is, it's not too rugged, but yes, yes, it is a little bit, but it's not that a regular person who's fairly fit with good shoes couldn't make it. And it's a very interesting 45-minute drive from uh, the heart of Georgetown, so it's not very far away. And you can either jump on the trail and do it yourself, or you can try and um, get one of the guides to take you where they can show you all the native plants and animal life in the Cayman Islands.
3: Tell us a little bit about some of those events. What are the top events that people might want to schedule their vacations around to get in the Cayman Islands when a particular event's happening?
0: Well, you might have heard that we're the culinary capital of the Caribbean.
3: Well, and we ate region. a lot, and we were there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's easy to do. We have such wonderful restaurants. I'm really going to say for sure, if you go anywhere in, in our region, in the Caribbean, I don't think that there is a place that you can have so much quality and quantity at the same time. But we start our year out with the Cayman Cookout, where we bring some of the biggest chefs to the Cayman Islands. I just uh, um, had a dinner with Anthony Bourdain last night and bought oh, his very new... Nice. Um, Kitchen Confidential book, and so he signed it for me. <laughs> so we have all famous chefs that come down, and and uh, they're doing our um, our Cayman cookout, which is a uh, four or five days of pure culinary events. And this Saturday, the last Saturday of every year, we have the Taste of Cayman, and it's sort of the Eat Fest of the islands. Last year, we sold out; uh, four five thousand people came through our gates, and more than forty restaurants and wines and bars participate. So it's a really fun night.
3: Speaking of food, um, tell us a little bit about the, the food there. We we tried some conch chowder and some jerk that was there. And, I mean, are there any other particular items that are distinct to the Cayman Islands when you go there? What You want to get a local's flavor?
0: Oh, you know what? We do have a, quite a lot of J- Jamaican feel, like with the jerk. But we also have something very traditional here called heavy cake. And, mm. um uh it's it's a uh, it's very interesting um very filling quite delightful cake and uh the Caymanians take great pride in making um a heavy cake we actually have a heavy cake competition at the Taste of Cayman where oh, wow. the yeah the minister of tourism and uh, some other people will be actually judging this so the deputy governor it's It's very proud to to win the heavy cake competition for the Taste of Cayman.
3: We also noticed, too, when we were there, when we were talking to different people around the island, when we were either out and on excursion or shopping, which, by the way, Cayman has some amazing shopping. There seemed to be a lot of people from the Cayman Islands, a lot of people from Cuba, a lot of people from Jamaica. Tell us a little bit about the culture there and just the diversity of people that live there in the Cayman
0: Islands. We have over 120 nationalities living and working in the Cayman Islands. It's very rare for you to go somewhere and have that many nationalities. And as you saw, all working very harmoniously and peacefully together. So depending on where you're coming from, just yesterday we had um, the Mercury Man Triathlon and two professional triathlons came down and I got to chat with them. But I also had a a little lunch in East End and I talked with somebody from Russia. And I was like, wow, I think you're one of the first Russians that I've met in California. Oh, you can probably find somebody from everywhere in the Cayman Islands, and and that's what makes it so diverse and eclectic.
4: And that's in a population of what? Not less than fifty thousand people, right? That you've got those hundreds. Less than
0: sixty thousand. Yeah, we're about yeah. fifty-five thousand thereabouts. So yes, it's uh, it's it's very heavily influenced with um, what we call expats.
4: Now, Kathleen is not going to let me leave the Cayman Islands. <laughs> Without talking about the shopping, especially right there at the port,
3: I'm trying to keep the credit card bill. Like I'm, I'm going to the, po- I'm going to keep going to the post office until it comes. I'm going to hide it.
0: I mean, I know <laughs> you don't want him to see it. I- If you're looking for that jewelry, watches, leather goods, camera, you know, the high-end where uh, the duty-free really is able to kick in and be a value, you you shouldn't shop anywhere else because we don't have duty, and uh, by the time you pay tax on top of shipping, on top of all those fees that uh, you have to pay everywhere else. We right. don't pay it here in the Cayman Islands. You can save thousands and thousands of dollars on, on high, high-end high items. And that was my justification for shopping. Exactly. <laughs> so you should buy. No
4: she, she told me she was actually saving us money. I did. I said,
3: look, I'm saving <laughs> us money. I was just going to say one too, thing, too, is that no one can leave the Cayman Islands without having a Tortuga rum cake.
0: Exactly. Of course. Or a rum swanky. They're all I mean, delicious. Did you try the rum swanky? What's
3: a rum swanky?
0: Oh, my gosh. We have um, made on the island our own rum from Cayman, and it's called Seven Fathoms Rum.
3: Oh, yes, 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 what- yes, yes, yes.
0: Yes, and what's great about Seven Fathoms that you might not know, unlike every other rum, this rum is cured under the ocean. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. In barrels. So imagine, you know, that you have to rotate rum uh, barrels throughout when they're in a storage room. Right. Well, imagine that gentle rolling of the ocean every day making that rum just taste wonderful, oh, capturing wow. the essence of the rum bowel. So it's really a very delightful rum. Put it with a little bit of brown sugar and some lemonade, you've got Rum swanky.
4: Wow.
3: Okay, now, now I've got onion. my goals. Okay, one. I'm just going to go with that we have to come back within seven years because I'm going to go with the kiss only give us seven years of luck each. So that means we have to come back, and then we have a list of things to do when we go back.
0: (laughs) Of course. And, I mean, don't forget, in November we have Cayman Islands Pirates Week. I mean, this town turns into the old days where pirates take over. They capture the governor. They kidnap him, and there's a riot, and it's great. It's a lot of fun.
3: (laughs) There's plenty. of there. you're going to see Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention the Cayman weather. I mean, the Cayman, is, you know, Cayman Islands are beautiful. Down there is just beautiful. It's a great place to go. Thank you so much for spending time with us today.
0: Well, thank you very much, and we're so glad you had the experience in the Cayman Islands.
4: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
5: We'll be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local free cart, you got to eat. Next
2: up,
3: you gotta eat, mmm, good. Welcome back, this is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin coming to you from the high seas of the Western Caribbean.
4: Now, we've been talking about how relaxed we've been. Yeah. But somehow, being so relaxed, I've also been so hungry. I don't know, <laughs> it's not like I've been doing anything to work up an appetite. It you know must I'm be. bummed about? That's it. true. No I heavy
3: guess, cake, no heavy cake.
4: I guess we have to go back. We
3: have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> we have Just lots to try of the heavy... to go back now.
4: First thing we do when we get off the boat next time, find a piece of heavy cake. Where's
3: the heavy cake? <laughs>
4: okay. Excuse me. So, <laughs> Heavy guess, cake, please. <laughs> so I've been laying around, not eating. doing anything to, to work up an appetite yet, finding all sorts of great things to eat. And drink. And drink. <laughs> and drink. <Okay.
3: laughs> lots of drinking, lots of eating.
4: So the first thing we should talk about is the food on the cruise. As we talked about before, Norwegian Cruise Line does things a little bit differently from a lot of other cruise lines. They have what's called freestyle cruising, right. where instead of having a set time in the dining room, and a, set menu. and a set menu, you have different restaurants throughout the ship that you can go try There's still a main dining room that you can go there whenever you want. But there are a lot of great restaurants to try throughout the and too. And I think the
3: Pearl has about 12 choices. I'm, I want to say 13 sounds right, but I'm going to say 12. Round it off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Over 10.
3: Yes, for sure, including room service. So you've got choices... All day long. We went to some of the specialty restaurants and had a really great time. And you can make a reservation for any time you want to go. So if you're not a five o'clock eater, six o'clock eater, we're not. I think that's just for early bird specials. We like to eat a little bit later. And so we went to the Italian restaurant, Cucina.
4: La Cucina. La
3: Cucina. Excuse There's also a,
4: a French restaurant.
3: Yes, called Le Bistro.
4: There is Cagney's Steakhouse, which is your traditional steakhouse.
3: Yes, and they have prime rib, different cuts of steak. They have the New York, the filet mignon. You can add lobster tail. I
4: was just, just going to say, and guess what? You're at sea, so guess what else they have to go with your steak?
3: Shrimp cocktail. Seafood. Oh, seafood.
4: <laughs> Dad, I'm done. Shrimp, shrimp, yeah, shrimp cocktail, lobster tail. I know. <laughs> okay, for more reasons than that. But anyway, um, there was also oh, the
3: Japanese. a
4: fun place we yes. went to on the last night, Teppanyaki, which is your Japanese restaurant where they cook the food right in front of you, chop it up. Great, entertaining cooks.
3: Yes, Great, it's very fun. Much
4: better, much better at jokes than I am.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yes. And then we went to the dining room as well. So there are some surcharges, anywhere from like $15 a person. But you really can go to town. Like when I went to tempenyaki, I learned from an insider. There was one entree that had the, the shrimp, or and I'm sorry, the lobster tail. And the insider was like, no, no, no. Order this and then just add the lobster tail. And you can just add anything you want and it's the surcharge is the same. So that was fun.
4: Yeah, a lot of good good times to be had, and... And they all
3: have their own specialty drinks.
4: Yeah, every day, well, they all have their own specialty drinks, and then there's a different specialty drink every day. Yes. We found out we loved one that we had never tried before called the Bushwhacker, which is sort of like a Starbucks Frappuccino with...
3: With alcohol. ...added
4: added ingredients. Okay, (laughs) let's just say that. Okay. With
3: With a little touch of adultness there.
4: Now... Getting off this ship there was a lot of great food to eat too. Of course, yes. in Jamaica, you've got your jerk. Yes. Every they week. have
3: jerk houses like smoking around the island. And that's not the only thing smoking around the island. Oh.
4: Seafood obviously in Grand Cayman. And we found a really great place just about, I don't know, fifty yards away from the port and right there overlooking the ocean.
3: It had conch chowder.
4: Conch chowder, fresh fish. We even as we we didn't do this, but we even saw a place where you could buy a fish there at the market, take it. Not the market.
3: You don't buy it they actually catch it. There's people out there catching it and then they'll fry it up there for you. Oh wow. Yeah.
4: (laughs) I didn't I didn't Somehow that slipped by me. Yeah, so. no, it
3: was next door to the place we were at. So you could okay. actually go out there, catch your own fish, bring it on up, and, yeah, get it good to go. Of course, lots of rum rolling around the Caribbean islands, both in Jamaica and in and Cayman Islands. And uh, there's things made with rum. And, of course, we talked a little bit about this, my favorite, Tortuga rum cakes, where you can just smell, you smell them when you open them up. The smell is enough. To have you not pass a DUI test. And then you indulge. It's a great, it's it's really good cake.
4: Then just when you think it can't get any better, you arrive in Mexico and have all this great traditional Mexican food.
3: I had very traditional Mexican food when I was there. What? Well, I have a really good friend who happens to work on a ship and took me to a couple of places that the crew hang out. So this is my traditional Mexican food. Mexican food with waffles. Oh, wow. They actually serve waffles. I mean, they're known for their waffles. It sort of it's like, really funny.
4: Sort of like instead of the chicken and waffle yes. house, you have the, the yes. taco and waffles. Yeah, fajitas
3: and waffles. Fals. Yeah, nachos oh. and waffles.
4: <laughs> huh. I never, I'm not going to knock it till i tried it.
3: <laughs> I was so, like, what? Well, that doesn't sound bad. Let's go for it. <laughs>
4: sounds good. I had some really great fajitas when I was down at Tulum. 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 We're going to talk about that a little bit. You can take... Now, Cozumel is an island. You can take a little charter boat over to the mainland, and a lot of the cruise lines have tours over on the mainland, and one of the best ones to do is Tulum.
3: Yeah, and you actually go from, from Cozumel to Playa de Carmen, which is that a lot of people know what those two places are. You take the boat from one to the other, and then Tulum is just like 20 minutes yeah. south of there.
4: You take a bus down there. If it was just the ruins of the Mayan ruins, it would have been worth the visit. If it was just the beach, it would have been worth the visit, but it's Mayan ruins overlooking this incredible tropical beach.
3: Yeah, up on a cliff. It's it's really breathtaking.
4: I can think of times where I've had amazing historical experiences like when we've been in Europe and things. I can think of times when I've had amazing natural experiences like when we've been to national parks here in the US. I'm having a hard time coming up with a time where it was a combination of history and natural beauty.
3: Tulum is really breathtaking. That's all I can say. It's breathtaking. It's it's really, I've actually been out there several times. And so Jeff and I kind of went our different ways getting things covered that day. And I was like, you have to go to Tulum. You have to go.
4: And it's not just breathtaking. It's inspiring because the beauty of the beach is breathtaking. And then what the Mayans accomplished without a single computer on hand <laughs> Is truly inspiring. Coming up. What
3: happens to us when we don't even internet for 20 minutes? When I can't, "Ah!"
4: I can't find my way anywhere without a GPS. And these guys had figured out down to the minute where the sun would be on each day of the year. So coming up, we're going to hear an interview with Angel Barea, who was the tour guide when I went to Tulum. This guy was amazing. A fount of information. And we didn't get into this in the interview, so I wanted to mention it now. As he was going along, he was saying, oh, well, when I took an anthropology class in college, we talked about this. And when I took an architecture class in college, we talked about this. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like this guy went to college just to learn how to be a tour guide. Then I got to talking to him, and it turns out there's a program in the Mexican university system where you take classes to learn how to be a tour guide. You take classes in archaeology. You take classes in history. take classes in art. You take classes in architecture so that you are this fountain of great information when idiots like me <laughs> come stumbling through.
3: <laughs> and he did his job.
4: He did his job amazingly. So we're going to talk with Angel Berea about the amazing site of Tulum. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade.
3: We'll be right back.
5: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
3: Welcome back. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is our show on the high seas where we're hitting all the spots in the Western Caribbean. I'm here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin.
4: And I was really lucky when we stopped at Cozumel in Mexico, took a little boat over to the mainland from Cozumel, got to see an incredible site, Tulum, an ancient Mayan site. And on top of everything else, it sits on top of this beautiful Caribbean beach, if you can beat that. And what made the day even better was I had a fantastic tour guide, and we've got him here on the phone with us, Angel Berea. Welcome, Angel, or as we uh, English types call you, Angel, thank you for being <laughs> here. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Hello, and thank you Everybody Jeff. goes by. I'm kind of Spanish for Angel. Every time I take a group, it's easier for everybody to call me that way.
3: There you mm-hmm. go, Angel. I-, I have to be honest. I stayed on the Cozumel side while Jeff went across. I've been to Tulum a few times myself, and it's so beautiful. But the margaritas and cerveza was calling me there on the Cozumel side, so I stayed <laughs> behind.
2: <laughs> I can <didn't> understand that. <laughs>
4: Uh, I was impressed with how much you knew about Tulum and um what a personal connection you had to it and um could maybe talk a little bit about that your own uh, personal connection to the place through your ancestry and and what makes it such an amazing place to visit.
2: Yes, of course. Um I think that for more than one of us around here um literally if I'd like to express myself and say that all southern Mexicans are fully connected or related to to these sides because, well, the Mexican culture is is formed by uh, two different sides, uh, the the Native, the Native American, the Indigenous, and, of course, the European. So in my personal situation, I have a couple of things that probably relate to them a little bit, um, let's say, uh, closer. Um, And it's because, uh, one, my my two grandmothers are Marian. I was raised... um, better in me with the culture, with the traditions, and of course, the most important thing, with the language. Um, One of the important things here is that the remainings of the archaeological side is only, of course, uh, a way of expression of whatever our people figured out. And a lot of these traditions are still passed on from one generation to another. And that's one side, or one reason why I relate to this place is uh, very strongly. The other side is because well, um, the reason why I'm a tour guide today is because my father has been a tour guide for 30-some years. So I've been walking around these places, listening to the history, seeing how a lot of people from all over the world, from Europe, from Asia, from, from South Africa, South America, North America, come down here to, to know or understand a little bit of our culture. So it's a family situation that will relate to the realms and, of course, our own history. And I think uh,
4: Oh sorry, I think you mentioned your children are taking Mayan in school right now, uh every day or something something like, something yes.
2: like that. else. Uh it's it's uh in the in the past year, in the recent year, um our government finally passed a law where they believe that to rescue our local culture could be pretty relevant. I think in one way or another it had to do because of the attraction uh or the benefit we're getting out of the um, the culture with the visitors, in this case with the with the tourist business. I think it really sparked it from there, because um, for many years, a lot of, let's call them conservation societies, uh, the Yucatecan population have been struggling to try to uh, rest through our language and our culture. But our government never really paid attention to it until it became, well, relevant for, for the visitors to come and get to know and understand. So I think that that's where it sparked you, uh pushed the, the authorities to try to rescue us. And now in our schools, one of the important things is not literally how to speak it, but to understand the grammatic and the formal structure of the language, and in this way, read and write and write. Uh, something very important and very clear for us is that uh, if our language dies, our culture will die with it. So the local population of Yucatan has put a lot of initiative in this. And today in Yucatan, in the state of Yucatan, the peninsula has three different states. And the, the one in the middle, facing up to the northern part of our, of our peninsula, uh, the government, particularly in that state, is making a huge effort. So there's television, there's radio, uh, there's a lot of uh, communication, let's say, in Mayan. So in our schools, of course, it's important.
3: One of the things that I find really interesting about the Western Caribbean route is just the cultural difference, where a lot of times if you do the Southern Caribbean or the Eastern Caribbean, you get a lot of the same cultures as you go from island to island, and I think that's one of my favorite things about doing the Western Caribbean route is when you're going to Jamaica, and then you're going to Grand Cayman, and then you're going to the Yucatan, like, how different, you know, here, how different each one of the cultures are when you arrive and you're really getting a different experience everywhere you go.
2: Yeah, that's true, and well, uh, besides the the cultural difference we can have with the Cayman Islands or with Jamaica, uh, I think that something pretty relevant is also that a lot of people have the impression or let's say they understand more or relate easier to the northern Mexican cultures and Yucatan is in the southeast, So a lot of people get a little bit surprised to realize, of course, if they take their time to understand the cultural side of our country, that everything cultural speaking is very different in the South. So I think that's another surprise a lot of people will have. Like when Jeff came with us, he probably wasn't expecting a lot of these things until, or probably never understood a few of these things until he he was on this tour bus, where, of course, information has to take place. Yeah. And I think I
4: think you kind of gave the example of, you know, it, it would be as different as being in New York City versus Houston or something like that. You know, and and you also explained to us that the, the biggest thing I learned, aside from all this Mayan stuff, was that uh, down there they don't drink Corona or Dos Equis. <laughs> <It's Leo. laughs> but tell us, you, know, you, you mentioned people coming from all over the world to see Tulum. What is it that draws them there?
2: Well, I really believe it. It's uh, first a lot of people. Well, we well, uh, receiving a whole lot more information in these times through internet and, and books or and magazines, and of course documentaries. Even though uh, all this 2012 December 21st is crazy for us to see in the Yucatan how they're handling this situation around the world, and it's, and it's always a little bit frustrating that people believe that our Mayans calculated the end of this world. You know, I think that the positive side of this is that everybody was, in one way or another, listening or having impressions about the Mayan people. And this is something, I think, that the boom of of the archaeological sites, or in this case of Tulum or other Mayan ruins, took place after all this, um, you know, advertising of the end of the world. But, on the other hand, I think that one of the most important things Mayan people has is the obsession. They were not really interested. They were really obsessed with astronomy. And therefore, uh, the development of, of a science uh, called mathematics, which was very important for the minds. So that was the base of practically their whole philosophy. And the mathematics took this people to a level of architecture, engineering, and astronomy that nobody was expecting, especially in the American continent if we go back to 11, 1200 years ago. Uh, the, the archaeological site itself is an astronomical site. So according to where the light hits the buildings, we can tell perfectly in which part of the year we are, in this case, in which um, uh, the, the rotation of our planet around the sun. So when we're talking about a lion's charm, we're calculating time for Tulum in the 10th century. And then we remind to ourselves that just three, 400 years ago, all over Europe, Most of the population generally believed that the center of the universe was our planet and the sun was going around us. Now we have a plus of why probably today these remaining sites are becoming in the interest of a lot of people.
4: Yeah, I thought thought that was amazing how you were describing to us when you were showing us uh, the temple that you could expect to stand at a certain place on a certain day and see the sun hitting at a certain angle. uh, Just just stunning how when you talk about you know we've talked about tulum but you mentioned that tulum and some of these other really well-known sites are just the tip of the iceberg and they've found many other sites you know more inland and in different places that people might want to think about visiting because they're much uh much more off the beaten path maybe a little bit
2: yes yes um uh, Tulum, and I'm pretty sure most of the audience have uh, have heard before about right? Uh-huh. and they are the ones they, they are the ones that are are well, mainly advertised. But a lot of people ignore that around the Yucatan there's close to 2,000 sites, 2,000 sites that are open to the public, 2,000 sites that have the same history, you know, probably even more. Tolome, as you just said, is the tip of the iceberg. When you have a chance to step into the ruins, it's a good place for it to go to start to understand the world of the Mayans, the philosophy of the Mayans, the culture of the Mayans. Um, and from there, we hear about a place called Iqbalam that was fairly rediscovered. It's fairly new, I'm sorry. And this site was rediscovered in 1992 when everybody was on the expectation of most of these sites discovered in the 16th or 17th century, in the arrival of the conquistadors, in this case from the Spaniards. But there's there's Eglan, there's a place called Pan, there's a place called Oshkintok, and there's an incredible magnificent magnificent place that, in my personal opinion, is one of the most beautiful sites I've ever seen of the Mayans, that is called Uxmal Uxmal is, is um, about a uh, 110 miles um, northeast of Chichen Itza, and the place is incredibly gorgeous because it's incredibly preserved, so sometimes when we see Tulum in front of the ocean, we understand that the heat, the humidity and the salt can cause a, a worse effect of erosion right. in the buildings. Right. So the more we travel inland, the better shape we see these monuments that, that gives us a different impression of what we've seen so far. In, in the
3: coast. You know, it's interesting, too. You know, the first time I went to Tulum was about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I still, you know, time after time look at the pictures, you know, my amateur pictures at the time and just think it, it, it really it almost looks like it's unreal, like it's fake. I mean, you're looking at this gorgeous ocean, this gorgeous, you know, Mayan ruin, and it, and it just looks it just looks fake <laughs> like you couldn't have constructed anything.
4: But like you were saying, Tulum, uh, it sounds like Tulum and Chichen Itza, if, if you've gone to those, those can kind of get you started and, and you kind of get a taste of that and you want to learn more, then there's all these other places inland that are maybe less well-known, less traveled that you can, you can visit.
3: And uh, we're running out of time, but just before we go, we didn't talk anything about Cozumel, which is the island right across, which is uh, actually a lot of where the ships actually stop and i know there's a beautiful coral reef and is there anything there that you would recommend that you can't miss over on the other side of the island
2: well uh... one of the opportunities in the island that is uh, very worth it is when people have a chance to drive around the island uh... sometimes you have pretending to rent a vehicle or a jeep or, or a little car and drive around the island uh-huh. and there's parts of the island that are completely virgin and sometimes just to stop there relax and see the ocean just uh, spent a few hours here is something gorgeous. But on the other hand, there's an incredible spot that, in my sole opinion, is one of the nicest parts of the island called Chunkanab.
5: Uh-huh. And
2: Chunkanab is a really great place for to do some snorkeling. Uh, there's uh, also the opportunity to do some scuba diving. And in the same park, which is uh, uh, in the island the comes now, uh Chunkanab offers you the opportunity of a cavern inside of the ocean. So when you scuba dive and, and you go into the water there, you don't only see the coral reefs, you don't see the, only the big variety of, 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 of fishes we have here, but also, to go into the cavern in, on the, in the ocean is a very unique experience. To so go in there and see the tarpon fish, and the sardines, how they open, literally like if it's a gate taken through the, through the cavern, is, is a wonderful experience. So um, of course the island itself is gorgeous. You know, but the activities we have an opportunity to do there, like uh, the snorkeling, activity. it could be probably the main attraction of, of Costco.
4: Thank you so much, Angel or Angel. Um I know when we were coming back on the bus, people were asking him about different things to do about the Yucatan Peninsula, which we didn't touch on, that he knows a ton of things about that too. We're going to put his uh, email address on our hot sheet with, to go with the show. So if you go to travelbrigade.com. Look at the hot sheet, you can email him any questions. This man is a fountain of information.
3: Thank you so much for spending time with us today.
2: Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience and share a little bit more of our new stand.
4: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
2: We'll be
3: right back.
5: always agree, but they always seem to have the reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said.
3: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffon.
4: I remon.
3: Who now thinks he's actually Jamaican.
4: Well, I could definitely listen to reggae music all day. The big problem I have is I could not possibly pull off dreadlocks.
3: Um, I would agree.
4: <laughs> I can barely pull off what hair I have. Dreadlocks are That's, out of the question. Can we
3: talk about one of the things we don't like on cruises? All the people like trying to do dreadlocks and braid oh, their uh, hair. Not a fan of it, but that's a whole other show.
4: <laughs> well, is that one of those things, though, that you do when you're you're away from home?
3: I guess. So nobody that you know will see you. you
4: and, then, and then that's a good point. You take it out before you go that's back.
3: Very good point. Well, it's that time of the show.
4: It is time for He Said, She Said, when we tell you our favorite things from this trip. And She Said gets to go first.
3: My first pick is the number one attraction on the Cayman Islands. We know why. Stingray City.
4: Yeah, Stingray City makes it sound like it's something organized and commercial when actually it's you find somebody with a boat to take you out there. Now, we had a great experience with a company called Resort Sports Limited. We're going to have their contact information on the Hot Sheet page, along with contact information for a lot of the places we talked about, the people we talked to.
3: And they actually do other tours in the area, too. They have a beach on Seven Mile Beach, and they do a bunch of other things. But they're the ones that took us out. They did a great job. We had a really fun time and went to the city of Stingrays.
4: It's more like the place where all the Stingrays hang out, and then you go there, and they swim around you. That's like the city, yeah. It's I like they're just hanging in the city. That's true. My number 3 is Dunn's River Falls. If you've never been there, if you're in Ocho Rios, you just have to go because there's nothing else like it. It's one of those things where, yeah, a lot of tourists go there, but there's a reason tourists go places. It's because nobody else has one. Mm, and good point. this is the case with Dunn's River Falls.
3: My number 2 also is in Jamaica. It's riding around on a catamaran around Jamaica, having a great time, listening to reggae music, having some rum punch, and best thing, hanging out with my new friend, Sunshine.
4: I will never forget one of the lasting images from this trip is you and Sunshine and many other people dancing away on the front of the catamaran on our way back to port.
3: Having a jolly good time.
4: My number two is the one we just talked about, Tulum. Incredible interaction between history and natural beauty. You're never going to see anything else like it.
3: My number 1 is our balcony. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> I love it. We've cruised quite a bit and, you know, a lot of times we'll just be like, "Oh, you know, we travel so much, let's just let's just go for, you know, the cheapest room we can get, inside cabin, whatever." And we thought, "You know what? Let's just let's just get a balcony and it was worth it." And I, we hardly wanted to leave. We had our own little private deck. We could sunbathe out there. We had breakfast out there. I pretty much fell in love with the deck. Yeah, they, my balcony. I mean,
4: yeah, they pretty much could have just said, okay, just get out, just get in this room. Here's your balcony. You can come out in seven days. Here's room service number. but <laughs> I, I would have been fine. They would have had to do anything. And that's pretty much my number one too. Is the sea days. I love the sea days about a cruise because. You have no choice but to relax. I'm one of those people who anytime I go somewhere, I want to go, oh, we got to do this. we got to do this. we got to do this. And sea days just take that right out of you. And the sunsets that we saw off the balcony were, That's
3: true. were incredible. Beautiful.
4: Again, something you'll never forget. So, unfortunately, we have come to the time where I guess we're going to have to get off this ship. I
3: know. I'm kind of I'm getting a little sad thinking about it. I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go.
4: Me neither. And I'm I'm thinking of that recent Simpsons episode where they went on a cruise and Bart didn't want to get off, so he came up with a way to convince everybody that the rest of the world had, there had been this massive apocalypse.
3: Yes, that's an option. The other thing I, I was thinking about is the old love boat episodes where there's stowaways. There's always stowaways. And I thought, can you really get away with that? If we just, if we just camped out here on the balcony. Went out there. Kind of moved our luggage away from the. Closet. Yeah, maybe we
4: could put like police tape, you know, across. Shut the shut the windows to the balcony. Put police tape across. Right, right. There So nobody would come and then... like.
3: Or maybe they're repairing it. Like yeah. caution. Yeah. Yeah. So and then we could just stay out there. I don't think we're ready to go. I think
4: I think it's worth a shot. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, so you'll know either one. We'll have a new episode when we when we come off the ship, or two. We'll be MIA because we'll still be on the ship on the balcony somewhere, or three will be arrested because we have been caught stowing away.
4: Yes. Will they charge us for international crimes? If we do I don't know. If option Get our two, lawyer on the phone. If option two or three happens, if you see our kids, please feed them. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we've come to the end of what's been a great trip in the Western Caribbean, and we will say goodbye for now, but we will say hello again next week with another episode of Travel Brigade. And remember, whether you're on the Western Caribbean or you're in the middle of winter, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, join us next week for the Travel Brigade radio show.
3: See you next week. Enjoy the trip.
1: You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.